0: Well, hey, friends, it's Candace Eisner back with you again this week. And in this week's episode, which is the fourth and final episode in my series on how to stay a massage therapist for the long haul, we're going to talk about planning for your financial future. Welcome to Life Beyond the Massage Table, a podcast for massage therapists, or really anyone who works in health and wellness. I'm here to help you take a look at your business and practice in new ways, to think outside the box, and to shift gears from the same old stuff that isn't helping you build the life and the business that you really want. Let's get started. Well, hey, I hope you're all doing really well out there. As I always start the podcast with, I talk about what's going on and where I am, and uh, yeah, here in the... Dartmouth-Halifax area of Nova Scotia today is an absolutely gorgeous, sunny day in June. And yeah, so I hope wherever you are, it is a lovely day as well. And things are going well for you in your business and in your life. Um, yeah, we are starting to get into summer here. So if you're in the northern hemisphere, I'm sure you feel me. I'm sure that you're excited for summer stuff. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's wrap up this podcast series. Speaking of sort of summer things, we wrap things up in the summer, right? So we can go on vacations and go do fun things. So welcome to the last episode in our series on staying a massage therapist for the long haul. Nice to have you here. Before we get started. I want to be very clear about something, and I'm sure the vast majority of you are already aware, but if you're newer to the podcast or maybe just didn't know this, um, whenever I talk about financial topics, I am sharing from the perspective of a business owner and former massage therapist. I am not a financial planner. There are days that I wish I was, especially... At the age that I am, where I'm thinking more about retirement and all that kind of stuff, I'm in my mid forties. For those that you didn't know, but I am not a financial planner as much as I wish I was. Uh, I'm not an accountant. I'm not uh, any sort of professional in the finance business. You know, I did. I've never worked for a bank. Any of those kinds of things. I am pretty sure all of you knew that, but still, I got to say it, I got to make it clear. Now, as always with this podcast, take things as food for thought, things for you to consider on your own journey in your business, a jumping point if you want to think of it that way. Make sure you're getting advice from professionals when it comes to the big stuff, okay? So don't, you know? if I talk about uh, a certain type of investing in this podcast, don't go, oh, okay, I have to do that too. It might not be exactly the right fit for you so do consult experts on these things. But that said in this episode I'm not going to recommend like specific funds to invest in like I'm not going to say you know you should be doing day trading okay we're not going to talk about that or I'm not going to talk talk about uh, necessarily specific methods of saving okay? We're just gonna go over some general financial planning advice that I think is really relevant to massage therapists, anyone in the health and wellness industry, you know, working as a solo practitioner or maybe owning a small business, i.e. you people, okay? So let's get started with something about mindsets around money that I think is really, really important to say right off the start. And that is the sacrifice versus abundance mindset. Now, I am starting with this because I think it's really important to talk about it right off the top. Your mindset around money will affect everything you do in your career. And since this is the world we live in, you need money for things. I need money for things. We all need money for things. And so it's going to affect your personal life. You can't completely separate business and personal. Just like you can't completely separate work, like if you work for another company, you're not self-employed, and personal there's going to be some overlap, right? So this is why we are saying you need to work on having an abundance mindset rather than a sacrifice mindset, because language matters a lot, okay? That means thinking about what you need to do in order to pay the bills as a choice. That means framing things as this is helping me and my family for the future. Even if your family is just you and a cat, that's still a family. Okay? just want to make that clear. All families are valid. Thought that might be an important thing to throw in there. That means not focusing on what you can't have or you can't do because of your financial situation, but instead thinking about what you can do with what you have right now. It means not focusing on the, you know, oh, well, I can't do this or that or the other thing because of my debt or my career or, you know, because I'm not earning enough, blah, 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 you know. Focus on what you can do and how you're going to get to where you want to go, okay? What are your business goals? What are your financial goals? Those are choices. Those are choices we all have to make. Focus on the choices, not on the things out of your control. Now I know that this is not easy. You know, I can say it and you're like, "Well, Candace, like like you just said it's all integrated. It's pretty hard for me to ignore the fact that like, you know, I'm barely making ends meet at this point or it's pretty hard for me to ignore the fact that like my kids keep asking to go on a big vacation and we can't afford it or etc. I get that, okay? It's not easy. But it is possible to be happy with less and have fun with less. And then later on, when you can afford the nicer car to buy a cottage or go on an expensive vacation or whatever, you can celebrate that and you can totally do it and enjoy it. Right. And speaking of that, you can enjoy it without kind of, you know, uh, obsessing about what the next big thing is going to be. You know, you just you enjoy the moment. You enjoy the fact that, you know, the fruits of your labor, as they say. Right. Now, I'm not a lot of you know I'm a Peloton fan, okay? Like, I, I totally went all in on Peloton two years ago at the very beginning of the pandemic. And Jess Sims is one of their instructors. And one of the things she often tells people in her classes, and it's kind of one of her catchphrases, is you don't have to, you get to. And I think, honestly, this is a good overall mindset for us to adopt in our lives. Not just with fitness, but with, yeah, with money, with life, with everything. You don't have to save money and penny pinch and be super frugal you get to do those things so you can plan the life that you want and build yourself an awesome future right so a side note here on that a lot of us got really good at having fun at home or very near home with the pandemic like with me joining peloton with a lot of people joining peloton a lot of people Learning how to bake bread. A lot of people like uh, joining Skillshare and learning some new things. A lot of people, etc. Right? I'm sure you did a lot of those things too, or if you didn't, you know people who did. Those are very useful lessons for the rest of our lives. You know, no matter what happens over the next few years, there are tons of things we can do to have a good life and enjoy our time that doesn't cost a million bucks. <laughs> If you tend to focus on expensive stuff because your friends do that or you live somewhere that people seem to always be buying the latest fashion or makeup or, you know, a car or whatever, you know, if you live somewhere where everybody just seems to spend a lot of money on stuff, you might easily get caught up in that and forget how to live well on a budget. Or you might be sick AF of the pandemic and just want to go party. I also get that, okay? I I do. I know a lot of people, especially at this point, several years in, like the third summer of this thing, you're just like, no, 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 no. I ain't staying at home, baking bread. I'm going out to parties. I'm going out with my friends because I am tired of this. So on that note, I am absolutely not saying to never go on a big vacation while you're building your business or never spend money on frivolous things or never like have fun like that, right? But really, honestly, you have to look at those things and think about how you can do it on a budget, okay? Don't just blow all your money out of the water and go into debt because that's not really worth it most of the time, you know? Or... Put the really big thing off for a year if financially it just makes sense. See what I mean? It's just, it's about being smart, but still having fun. You can have an abundant life and can make awesome choices for now and your future. It's a choice, not a sacrifice. That's what we're trying to say here. So talking about your future, make sure you separate business goals versus personal ones. That's the second topic we're going to talk about. Now, obviously there's going to be some blurring of lines here. We already said that, and I think it's especially true if you're a solo business owner, because really the the personal goals and the light and the uh, the business goals really, really, really are intertwined if you are your business, right? But just hold on a second. What do we mean by personal versus business goals? Because, like I just said, if you're a solo business owner, there's so much overlap. Well, I think the business goals part is probably pretty clear. It's stuff like grow your client list, earn more income. Just they have to be smart goals like we talked about in the first episode, right? Um, Hire other therapists to work with you and so on. You know, all those types of goals that we talked about in episode one of the series and just in general things that have to do with growing your career and growing your business to be what you want it to be. Now, your personal goals might tie in, but they should be purely for you such as learn to do yoga or save for an awesome vacation once a year, like we've been talking about, or buy a house or learn a new non-career related skill like knitting or gardening or home renovation, personal growth stuff like going to therapy or reading like nonviolent communication books or learning to meditate. And those are just like a handful of examples. There's lots and lots of personal goals that you could have, right? Now, Again, obviously, there's overlaps, right? Your career earns you the income to fund your personal life and your personal life and interests inform the way that you run your business and maybe the direction that you take things. But it is important to honor both your personal goals and your business ones and look at ways to prioritize them. There will be times where the business goals have to unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your view, come first, right? Especially when you are growing a new business or not yet making uh, ends meet, right? If you're not really paying the bills yet, or you're barely paying the bills, the business goals really have to come to the forefront. But as your business grow grows, (laughs) as your business growls—no, just kidding—as your business grows and you're beating the targets you are setting for yourself please don't forget about your personal goals don't get so excited by the fact that you're you're hitting those business targets and things are going so well that you just throw all your personal goals out you know out the window because what's going to happen is a little while later you're going to be resentful you're going to be like ah oh, i've been working so hard all i do is work i never go on vacation i never do anything fun this sucks right we got to have balance Now, part of this means you do need to know yourself. Do you tend to get super focused on learning new techniques, building your client list, giving treatments, you know, doing all the business stuff, and then squeeze your personal life in between those moments? Or do you tend to be more focused on living your fun life outside of work and doing the bare minimum to run your business? Now, of course, it's probably obvious, but somewhere in the middle is probably the best way, the middle way, being a bit more balanced. But I think you get the idea overall here, right? If you tend to be very career focused, make sure you're giving your personal uh, life, your personal goals some focus. If you tend to be very personal life focused and not so worried about your business, make sure you're giving your business enough time and attention so it can grow to where you want it to be. So let's talk about my own experience with this, because I definitely have lots of experience with this, and this is just one example from my personal life. So for a while, when I first became a massage therapist, I was really, really focused on growing a clinic and clientele, and I wasn't really focused on personal goals, like at all. I was taking courses and learning marketing and overall just trying to grow myself an amazing business. Wasn't really thinking about my personal life much at all. Then my life had a big change and I went really the total opposite direction. After we moved to Toronto and I had some personal life stuff come up, I wasn't caring at all about my career. Like, well, I was caring some, right? I did care about my clients. I always cared about my clients. Don't misunderstand me. It's not like, you know, I was giving crappy treatments. I was giving good treatments and I did care about my business to a point. But I didn't care very much about growing my career for a while because I was really, really focused on my personal life and spiritual growth and the spiritual community that I had joined, which I won't get into that too much because this podcast is not about that. But that's where I was at. Now, this was a problem, right? I needed balance. I needed to not be so completely like one direction or the other. And it. It took some work, but eventually I realized that what I really wanted was to live somewhere with a slower pace of life and work towards retirement at a decent age, like hopefully before 65, so I can enjoy life and enjoy the things I love to do, but with having made a mark of some kind in the career that I'm in, right? So we put in the work to do that, and we're already underway in making that happen, right? So that's my example, and maybe for you, you don't need to make a big drastic change like I did, like I made multiple drastic changes in my career. Maybe you don't need something quite that big. Maybe you're happy where you are. You don't need to move across the country like I did, but maybe you just need to put more focus on your personal goals, like say, you know, wanting to buy a house or wanting to travel more, or maybe you need to shift away from personal goals a bit so you can see the financial ones a little bit more clearly. And by financial, I mean the business goals, because that's where the money's coming from. Financial goals can be both personal and business, as we've said, and they should be both personal and business, as I've said. But in this case, we're talking about building the business so that you have more finances. Okay, so spend a bit less time on that passion project hobby. Totally get that. And a bit more on your marketing for your massage clinic as just one example. Overall, though, my advice is to take a balanced approach and always respect both your business and financial goals and your personal ones. Now, on that note about business and finance, it is always a good idea to have a backup plan. That's our next topic here. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what if you couldn't run your business anymore? What would you do? Would you be able to sell your assets, for example, your equipment, your client list, the space that you run your clinic out of, any of those kinds of things? Um, and a note about selling a client list, because I, I know that that's a bit of a sticky topic for some people. Yes, this is 100% something that you should consider. Do not simply say, oh, no, 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 I couldn't possibly do that. I feel weird about selling a client list. Cl- you know, the clients are not a commodity. No, it is a business asset and it is worth something. Okay. Obviously, you can't just let any random person buy your client list, right? And their health data, especially that there are rules to follow and regulations around privacy and you have to respect people. Often this involves informing people of the sale before it happens and allowing them the opportunity to have their file and data removed. But again, look into your local rules about this. Don't just trust what I'm saying. I'm in Canada. I'm in Nova Scotia. The rules were a little bit different in Ontario and the rules are going to probably be a little different where you are, okay? But absolutely, you can sell your your client list and you can sell your business if you want to. You just have to make sure you're following all the rules. Okay. Don't let privacy law overshadow this or like worry about how people are going to feel about it. Okay. You can do it. You can sell a client list. You just have to do it in appropriate ways. Okay. So more on this train of thought about, you know, moving on from your business, if you had to, would you have someone take over the business as is? Like, would you just try to sell the whole thing? as like a one-shot one, one shot deal, like you you get the clinic space, you get all the equipment, you get the client list, you get everything. This can be an easier option for you, but it might be harder sell unless someone wants a, key, a, tur- a turnkey business. And if you're super successful, they might want that. And then if you're not at retirement age, what are you going to do for work after if you had to sell your business? You know, are you moving somewhere else and going to open a new business there or... Are you staying in the same city or town? Are you going to do something totally different? Do you have skills already that you could put to work building a new career? What do you think you'd like to do if you had to stop massaging or whatever it is you, you do for some reason, right? Now, if you are retiring, what does that look like? I think a lot of us have this idea that retirement is when you're just too old to do anything, which is so wrong and so very ageist and just ridiculous. And so... I used to have that thought when I was like in my 20s. And I think a lot of people do when they're really young. But, you know, as you get older, you realize like, no, retirement can be a really vibrant and fun part of your life. Right. Um, it's not end of life. OK, geez. Like I, we any. if you had that thought or, you know, people have had that thought, get that thought out of your mind. Retirement is not that. OK, so just as an example, my parents took early retirement. I think they were both under age 60 when they when they, you know, signed off and that was that was it. Um, but even if they had waited until now, you know, my, my parents are both approaching seven or well, my dad's in his 70s. Um, they've had a lot of fun adventures since retiring. They travel, they garden, they do all kinds of hobbies that they never had time to do before. They read books just for fun and not, you know, reading like financial books or whatever for work. Like they have a great life and do things they enjoy. And honestly, I think we should all consider retirement to be that way if we can make it happen. Right. But overall, what I'm saying here, retirement is something that should be fun and we should plan for that fun and not just, you know, Look at it as like, oh, like this, this scary phase of life. And overall on this topic, you don't have to plan every last detail of your life, okay? Like whether, you know, uh, giving up becoming or giving up your massage business, shifting to a new career, but it's not a bad idea to consider this question of what is next or what would happen if, right? Right. Life changes, things happen, so having a reasonable and realistic plan in mind, even if it's not fully fully sorted out, it's just something, an idea that you have with some, maybe a few steps written down, that's not a bad idea. And speaking of life changes and retirement, don't forget to actually plan for retirement, okay? We, I think I kind of hinted at that a second ago, but not just you know, what fun things you're going to do in retirement, not like what, uh, you know, uh, what hobbies you're going to get into, but the financial side of it. Because this is something a lot of people just don't do. And it's partly because of what I just said. A lot of people see retirement as just being really old, which doesn't have to be true and isn't true for a lot of us, right? Mm. Some people do have to retire very old because of financial issues, which I do understand, trust me. Um, But for the vast majority of us, we're not retiring when we're quote unquote super old. (laughs) But also I'll say this. I understand that times are different right now, okay? Some of you might hear me saying like, "Can you know, you need to plan for retirement. And you're like, Candace, you're living in a different era. Many of us can barely pay our bills right now, okay? Like, have you not been affected by the last few years? hmm?" And... uh, I'll just say, I hear you, okay? I know things are tough, especially right now with the situation going on in the world. And I don't just mean the P word, the pandemic. I mean everything going on right now. However, you have to at least give this some thought. and makes moves to get yourself into a situation where you can at least consider retirement, okay? That doesn't mean you have to go from barely making ends meet to having a huge retirement savings in like six months. Like nobody expects that and that's ridiculous, Unless you like come into some huge windfall of money, that is very unlikely. It's not realistic, but it means, you know, being thoughtful about it and seeing what you can do to allow yourself a retirement plan. Like we said a bit ago, the sacrifice versus abundance mindset comes in here. Can you start putting away a very small amount of, of money every month into an index fund? Okay. Can you have a 15 year plan that involves moving to a smaller town where it's much more affordable? Can you charge a little bit more per client and put that money towards retirement? Can you work a few extra hours and dedicate that money to your future with a clear plan to stop doing that at a certain point so you're not just overworking forever and ever? So just like for a year or two to get things kind of started. Now, the idea isn't a one size fits all idea, right? It's like what works for you and your life? What of those ideas or a different idea that you might um, come up with on your own? Right. What works for you in your life? Now, one thing I want to talk about briefly here, because we're talking about retirement planning again, is local culture, because I experienced a huge difference myself moving from Toronto to the Halifax area, Okay. So in in much of Ontario, which for those of you who are not, you know, Canadian, Ontario is the province with Toronto within it. Toronto is the biggest city in Canada, okay? But in much of Ontario, not just Toronto, but especially the big cities, so Ottawa, you know, London, etc. Well, London's not that big, but you know, it's it's definitely bigger than, say, some of the very small communities in the northern section of uh, Ontario. But in those big cities, there's a very big focus on career and working, okay? People really dedicate themselves to their jobs and that, you know, city hustle or, as I call it, lifestyle. Now, here in Nova Scotia and even in the city where I live, nearly everyone I know talks about retirement. I'm I'm honestly not joking. Even younger people. Well, maybe not people so much in, like, obviously kids don't talk about it, but maybe not so much people even in their 20s. But certainly people in their 30s and beyond talk about their retirement plans. I'm I'm not joking. People talk about what they'd like to do for retirement, what age they'd like to do it, if they want to move, you know, to a cottage somewhere, like, you know, if they want to go off grid or if they want to, like, they have plans to travel the world, like all kinds of different things. Even one of, okay, we're getting some work done to the house right now. And we ha- we've had a bunch of HVAC contractors come in and one of the guys We were chatting with him and he's he's not even 45, he said, and he's already planning for his retirement. He was talking about how like like, he's got several properties that he's invested in and he plans to move to one of them in his, you know, retirement. So he's thinking of early retirement because he's going to be able to afford it. So, yeah, total night and day. Toronto and bigger cities in Ontario, people are very like career focused here it's not to say that people don't put in work. I mean, this guy, the, the HVAC contractor I was just talking about, he mentioned that he loves his job. So it's not that. He plans on working for a while yet, but he also has plans for retirement. Now, is one attitude better than the other? Am I saying like Ontario people are are stupid or something and like Nova Scotia is better? Absolutely not. I am not saying that whatsoever. People want different things in their lives, and that is totally okay. There is nothing wrong with that. And yes, there are important economic differences between those two regions in Canada. Ontario is very different from Nova Scotia in some ways. And I'm sure there are similar things in uh, wherever you live, you know. I'm sure some areas of your country, or maybe like a neighboring country versus your country or whatever... There are differences, right? Cost of living and all those types of things that you have to consider when you're building your life. And we have to respect things like differences between like genders, racial inequality, and all those things that affect pay and the ability to access certain financial services and so on. Okay. I I won't get into that as I am not an expert on those things, but I think it's important for me to at least mention it. What I'm trying to say here is everything has nuance. Okay. But why did I bring all this up? Because I think most of us can really learn something from the Nova Scotia way of life, Okay, Your life isn't just about working all the time and your career definitely doesn't define who you are as a person, even if you love what you do, which I hope you do. I think sometimes people in certain cities or very career minded. People kind of look at retirement as the boring phase of life. We already said this earlier, but I think I think I got to say it again. Or something that isn't realistic or attainable. I know for a lot of people who are friends of mine in Toronto, retirement did not seem like something they would ever uh, get to because the cost of living in Toronto is so high. And I'm sure it's the same again in some areas where you live, right? But I want you to really try to flip the script on that. There can be a way. It might take you longer than you might like, but it is doable for the vast majority of us. Now, speaking of that, let's talk about a few books that might be helpful to you from financial experts, not me, okay? Now, a caveat here, as you probably gathered, I am Canadian, so most of these are Canadian books. That means that some of the advice won't quite be right for your country if you aren't in Canada, since available, like financial products vary between countries. For example, here in Canada, we have something called RRSPs, uh, Registered Retirement Savings Plans, okay? That's something you can put money into towards retirement, tax free. And then, you know, there's there's benefits also when you withdraw the money once you hit retirement, right? Other countries have similar products, but they have a different name and the rules around them are a little bit different, such as, for example, IRAs in the US. And I'm sure, you know, hearing me talk about this, if you're in another country, you go, oh, yeah, we have this product or this thing in my country. But that said, Money is money is money is money, okay? So the general advice going is going to be pretty much the same for most countries where my listeners are, okay? Things like pay yourself first, save for your future. That's pretty universal advice no matter where you live. So here are five books for you to consider very briefly. You know, I'm not going to give you a a long um, synopsis of each book, but I'm just going to give you an idea of why you might want to read it. So the first one is called The Year of Less by Kate Flanders. Okay, so this one's a little bit different from the other four I'm going to mention. And I'm going with it first because I think it's a good mindset book to start with. So Kate, the author, uh, talks about how she spent a year spending almost no money on consumer goods. She only spent money on things she absolutely had to, like rent, food, replacing something that broke, that she needed to replace, that kind of thing. But she spent no additional money on things. So this is a great book to help you reconsider how you spend your money. If you find you just like to go shopping for fun or find yourself overspending all the time on things, it's a great book to read. Oh, and by the way, no one is saying you have to live a boring life. Like You might think of that and go, oh my God, Like did she just sit at home and do nothing all the time? You know, but no one's saying that it's more about reassessing how you live your life and having a more minimal approach to things. Okay, when you read the book, you'll see why she went so sort of all in for the year. So that's all I'll say about that. I won't spoil it for you. But it's a good book to read about mindsets and learning how to be more minimal or how to live with less so that you have more money to spend on other things. Now, the second two books very briefly are The Wealthy Barber and The Wealthy Barber Returns. These are very well known, very well known books here in Canada. They're by David Chilton. He's a Canadian personal finance expert. They're basics on how to invest smartly and save for your future. I found them funny because Dave has this sort of dry humor, uh, self-deprecating humor, um, you know, sort of pokes fun at himself quite a bit, especially in the second book. But, um, you know, They are a bit more of a dry read than something like, say, The Year of Less, okay? But I still highly recommend them, especially if you're in Canada. But honestly, a lot of the principles apply anywhere. And the next book I'll talk about is called Wealthing Like Rabbits, which was influenced by Dave Chilton's Wealthy Barber books, okay? The author's name here is Robert Brown. And like I said, he was influenced early in his career by Dave Chilton's books. Like he he read them and then all of a sudden he really wanted to read everything and anything there is to know about personal finance, right? Now his book is not unlike The Wealthy Barber. There's a lot of information on it that overlaps. Only it's way funnier, okay? It's basically personal finance 101, but silly jokes and metaphors and, you know, innuendos and all kinds of things thrown in, okay? It's a really good choice for people who get bored reading about anything remotely finance and economics related. Like if you are the type who say, uh, you know, if you were reading a newspaper, which most of us don't these days, it's all online. But like the finance section, you're like snore, not interested, don't even put that near me. Wealthing Like Rabbits would be a good choice for you because it makes it a very palatable and, and funny way to learn about personal finance. And last but not least, Millionaire Teacher. OK, it's it, this one's a good book as well. It's not as hilarious as, you know, as Wealthing Like Rabbits. It doesn't have that humor to it. Um maybe I'm overselling well law well, thing like rabbits. I found it funny, you know, it's it's definitely a, a funnier way to look at personal finance, but it is still talking about financial topics and those aren't inherently always so funny. Just to be clear here, okay? But anyway, millionaire teacher, let's go back to that. So the author's name is Andrew Hallam, and he was a school teacher. Okay? So he wasn't making a whole lot of money. Any of you who know teachers out there know that most teachers are very much I would say underpaid, okay? underappreciated sometimes and underpaid. So Andrew Hallam, on a teacher's salary, worked himself into a million-dollar portfolio of investments. Now, that might sound far-fetched. You might be like, Candace, really? Come on. No one, like, seriously, this guy just got lucky or whatever. But honestly, it's something many of us could do if we wanted to. It's not like he was doing some sort of crazy day trading like a Hollywood movie or like he won a million dollars and, you know, oh, well, there you go. Now I'm a millionaire. You know, it's not like that at all. He just did some very smart investing, right? It's about using what you have and using rules like they present in, you know, Wealthy uh, Like Wealthy Rabbits or The Wealthy Barber or the other books we've talked about. So read this one if you want to read about someone's story about how they went from not having a lot of money, to having, you know, a decent amount of money, a, a, a good investment portfolio, and was able to quit their job, right? I think it's inspiring. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe it would just, you know, be frustrating for you. But if you think that that would be inspiring, it's another good book to, to think about reading, for sure. And that's it for this episode. And actually, that's it until the fall for Life Beyond the Massage Table. We're going to take a break in the summer because, honestly, I know a lot of you you don't really listen to podcasts during the summer. Let's let's be honest. Some of you do. Don't get me wrong. But just looking at my podcast stats, I tend to have less listenership in the summer. I think just because everybody's having fun. They're they're off, you know, at the cottage with their kids or they're off, you know, on a vacation or they're going to live music or they're just doing this fun stuff that we tend to do during the summer, Right. So podcasts and those types of things tend to kind of trickle away a little bit. So I'm going to take the summer as a break, come up with some great new ideas on podcast episodes. However, as always, if you have ideas for episodes, please do get in touch. I am more than happy to, you know, uh, look at your ideas. Uh, If there's a topic you'd like me to talk about, great. Um, It's candace at happylittlebiz.com is my email or just go to happylittlebiz.com and look at the contact page and, you know, you can contact me there. All right. So that said, see you in September. Have a great summer for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, which is the vast majority of you and uh, take care until then. Well, thanks so much for listening, everyone. I really appreciate your time and the fact that you decided to join me today in listening to this episode. Show notes are now available for podcast episodes, and they contain links to helpful resources and other information. Just head to happylittlebiz.com, that's my website, and check out the podcast link. I've got show notes for individual episodes in there, as well as articles on other topics for building a strong health and wellness business if you just check out the rest of the site. So while I've got you, I'd like to mention I truly do appreciate it when people leave me a rating or review on iTunes if you really like this podcast. So yeah, you can do that by just going to iTunes and looking up Life Beyond the Massage Table and then clicking on that Ratings and Reviews tab to leave your own. Okay, that's it for this week. I'm sure you have other things to do, and so I'll let you get back to them. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll catch you back here another time.